when they got to the hospital, he pushed his way into the emergency room area where my husband was, and he said, I'm not leaving him. And I love that guy for that. Um, he later, the conference president, told me that he got tired of waiting when they took my husband upstairs because uh, they worked on him for like hours. And, um, and he just went up and pushed past the security and plastered himself in a corner of the room <laughs> where they were working on him. And the doctor was very nice and let him stay anyway. Um, so you, so you, you got there about three yeah. and a half hours later. Right, and they did tell me that the only time they ever saw any brain activity uh, was just a little blip when I walked in the room and talked to him, but nothing after that, so. So how soon after you got there did he uh, pass away? It was four days. They, they kept him on life support uh, because they thought maybe, maybe his something would you know, work, uh, but it didn't. So they couldn't get him stable enough to even do a scan, like to move him. And, um, and then he, they uh, took him off life support. So. You know, last year I got to go to Arizona camp meeting. Oh, yeah. And I know this was, this was some, some years ago, not, not too long ago, but th so many of them still remember that. And, you know, of course, I, I don't know if you remember, but they wanted me to say hello to you and yeah. that much they, they loved your husband and what a great man he was. And, you know, it was just such a wonderful uh, spirit there of, of, of knowing who this, this man was and as if I got to know him a little bit through that moment. So uh, I, I'm sure this was very, very, very difficult for you. I'm sure that this was a, a time that, uh, but if you were to give me one word that would describe what you felt like in those early. Uh, you mean right when it was all happening? Yeah, um, once, once you knew that, 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 that he was gone and, and that, uh, you know, you had to make some decisions. And uh, what, what's this one word that you say, boy, this is what I felt like? Oh, I don't have one word, I think. But I just felt like a bomb went off in my life. Uh, in eight days' time, I lost him. I lost the love of my life. I had to move I, because our housing was all tied to his job. I lost him, my job, my church family, and my friends that were there. Because And I was on in a car being brought up here by my sons. <laughs> so it felt like a bomb went off in my life. So your sons lived here in, in, in Washington State? Uh, uh, one in Oregon and one here. Mm. Yeah. What would you like people to know? about your journey of bereavement. How long has it been now? It's been seven years. It'll seven be, years. It'll be eight, actually. So that's, yeah, so that's not that long, right? No, it so, never uh, What would you like people to know about what it's like to go through that journey? Um, well, I did feel like it was a bomb went off in my life. Uh, it, it, darkness is a really good word for it. I felt like I was in a black sea and uh, when waves of grief would hit me, it felt like I was, it felt like they were, I wouldn't survive every time for a long time. I was completely lost and, and I lost all hope. I literally lost my hope. I think I even scared Pastor Eric once when I talked to him about that. So um, your faith wavered? Uh, yeah, I, my oldest son put a Bible in my hand at one point early on and said, Mom, read this every day. And I just nodded. And I never opened it, probably for like a year. I didn't talk to God. Um, so now I know that you, you're a strong believer. I've had many conversations <laughs> with you. 
how did you come out of that darkness? What, what, what helped you hold on to that little bit of God that has caused you to become such an awesome believer today? Well, one thing was he put me here. <laughs> and Amen. I, <laughs> that was, I didn't know until years later. I just thought it was circumstances that I ended up here. But it took a few years, and then I realized that God had designed this spot for me to be this church, for me to heal and to find him again when I was ready, basically. I forgot the question. What was it? No, just, <laughs> no, you're answering it. It's, you know, how did you stay close to God? Um, uh, you know, and how, how did your faith re rebuild after that, you know, and, and so that you're no longer in the darkness, right? I mean. Right. Uh, here, um, well, okay, so the thing that I, I ought to tell you is um, in the beginning, I didn't stay close to God. I didn't talk to him even. And, but the most amazing thing is there's a tiny prequel to this. One of my favorite verses is John uh, 10, 28 through 30. And I used to write that in the Bibles of every person my husband baptized. And I, we shared that with our students. And it's where Jesus says that no one can snatch them out of my hand. And no one can snatch them out of the Father's hand, and he is the most powerful. And both of us are one, and no one can snatch you out of our hand. Mm -hmm. And I believe that with all my heart, but then this happened, and I just, I got lost. So, <laughs> for me, I'm like living proof that God never lets go of you, Amen. even when yeah. you let go. Amen. Time is going, so I'm going to ask you one last question. Uh, what's, obviously there are people that maybe have just gone through that recently or people that uh, may be going through it at some point. Uh, you know, I would like to know uh, from, from you, since you've had an experience that's, that's so uh, close to your heart, you know, I would like to know. What's one piece of advice that you would give somebody uh, as they journey through that bereavement? Well, mainly that, that you may or may not, dip, it depends. Um, if you're already in the darkness and you feel like you've lost your way, uh, if you can remember that God is not going to let you go. If you aren't, it touches everyone's life at some point. And uh, the most important thing would be I have found a deep relationship with God. Seek him with all your heart. Because if you are living in his presence, which is where he's taken me now, I don't have a, I don't have a moment that I don't know he's there. And I live in so much joy now, even in the dark times, even when I'm crying. He's <laughs> pretty amazing that way. It makes the darkness easier to handle. Um, what can we yeah. as brothers and sisters do? Uh, to help you and, and others that might go through something like that. Well, I think this church supported. has already done that for me. <laughs> um, so many people here uh, gave me so much support and continue to um, just, just journeying beside someone who's grieving, allowing them to grieve, um, sharing space, and not pushing them to not talk about it uh, or to get, get over it. 
you know, <laughs> it doesn't work that way. It takes as long as it takes, and it takes a very, very, very long time. Um, but ask them about the person they lost because <laughs> you never get over losing a whole person. And I think that's part of why our God is the way he is. I think he never gets over the idea of possibly losing one of us. Oh, beautiful. Amen. Renee, thank you so much for having the courage and the moxie <laughs> to come up here. <laughs> really appreciate it. <laughs> thank you very, very much. We'll take care of this and this. Don't worry about it. Let's give her another big round of applause. Personally, I think there is no other subject that gets repressed into our subconscious as much as this subject. I think none of us like to think about it. Isn't that true? None of us like to sit there and think about even our own life and death. And uh, a few years ago, I read an article. Uh, I want to read you a little bit of this. It's a, a young man in the me metropolitan New York area took a step before his death at 24. He was young, which he thought would safeguard his future. Upon his death, Stephen arranged to have himself frozen, solid, until a medical cure would found for the intestinal infection that had made him a chronic invalid. Stephen was a student on the dean's list at New York University and an avid reader of science fiction. A friend remarked he wanted to be in the forefront where science fiction turns into science fact. And when Stephen's infection stubbornly refused to respond to medical treatment, he followed up an intriguing ad placed in the science fiction magazine by the Cryonics Society of New York, a movement with the motto, never say die. This society had been founded on the premise that bodies of the clinically dead can be put into a deep freeze and later brought back to life. Seven months before his death, Stephen made out a $5,000 check to join the cryonic society. And then he instructed his mother to make sure that one of his that, that once he was pronounced legally dead, his body would be neither buried nor cremated, but actually frozen. And when he died, five members of the Cryonic Society promptly took charge, helping a Long Island funeral director pack Stephen's corpse in Ice Cube for a two-hour two drive to the funeral home. And there it was drained as its body fluids and infused with an antifreeze solution to help preserve the body tissue. Then it was packed with dry ice, preparatory to placement in cryonic suspension, what they called a crypt capsule. This was a giant bottle, obviously, filled with liquid ni nitrogen. In that state, Stephen will remain indefinitely maintained at a cost of $200 per year, in case anybody's considering this. An expense paid out for a $25,000 cryonic trust fund set up by Stephen before his death. And when his mom was asked if she expected Stephen to be raised from his cryonic capsule, she made this tragically significant comment. I have only a remote hope for my boy's resurrection. Huh. The 
as I consider this, this poor man's futile effort toward perpetuating his life and the inevitable fruitless expenditure of a pointless pursuit, I do applaud his desire to want to live forever, don't you? Do you know how many people are out there that really want to cheat death? They want to live forever? I, I, I appreciate his yearning towards eternity. See, the Bible says that God has put eternity into the hearts of men. I, I think he had that. Unfortunately, either nobody ever had or he never listened to somebody say, you know, you can find eternity and resurrection through Jesus Christ. One amen on that one. That's pretty good. His approach, his solution is sadly hopeless. And here's, in the final analysis, and I'm going to ask the worship team to come up as I say this, the presence of death in this world does not constitute the absence of God, but rather the absence of trust that God would take care of us. It all started back in Adam and Eve. If they had trusted God, then none of this would have happened. If they had trusted God instead of, of the prince of darkness, none of this would have happened. But the problem is that that distrust caused this avalanche of problems and challenges uh, today, and, and, and they were told it's going to happen. But they believed the prince of darkness rather than the prince of light. In fact, in case you might be sitting there a little smug about, about Adam and Eve, let me just tell you what it says here in verse 19. We all know John 3, 16, right? For God to love the world, that... He gave his only begotten son. We've heard this verse. We know it. We've seen it on, in, in football games. You know, John 3, 16. Everybody knows that verse. But let me just tell you what 19 says. John 3, 19 says, this is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but men love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. And the reason why we're still struggling with this, and it's not that Renee likes darkness more than than light. It's just that this is the human condition. Whether we want to accept it or not, it is all of us combined together. We are at a place right now where we love darkness more than light. And God is asking us to come to a place where we love light way more than darkness. You know what I'm talking about, right? So the next morning that you wake up, and, th and th this, is, this is daylight savings time. So you get a little bit more time this time, right? Or less. Oh, bummer. So let me give you the bad news. You get less time. Here's the other bad news. Let me encourage you. Tomorrow morning, when you wake up and you want to get under the blankets because we like darkness rather than light, unfold that blanket. Wake up, get up, and say, God, thank you for another day. You know, Jesus didn't lie to us. I'll finish with this. He said to us uh, these words. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. It's not like he told us, look, you're going to be fine. As long as you're a believer, there's going to be no problems. No. It's not what it says. But he says, take heart. I 
have overcome the world. Amen? Amen. Worship theme, thank you so much. Lead us in this beautiful hymn. Father. Forgive us for those times where sometimes we'd rather have darkness than light. Forgive us for those times where our self-centeredness creeps up and help us, O oh Lord, to rely upon you. Help us, O oh Lord, like you were able to help Renee be able to say, through it all, through it all, no matter how dark it gets, our eyes are on you, Lord. I pray, Father, that I would have that courage, that strength. For everyone here, Lord. And we thank you for being that kind of a God. You are amazing, Lord. And we will keep praising your name.